0: Welcome to The Radical Christian Life with Doug and Paula.
1: We're so excited as we discuss what it looks like to live the radical Christian life, following Jesus no matter the call, no matter the cost.
0: Yeah, so let's get to it. Welcome back. We're so glad that you decided to join us again. We are going to be jumping right in with the second part of one of our questions that came from our, one of our military personnel here in the U S and it has to do with the Trinity. And the question came to us that said, like, I don't really understand the Trinity and how do I teach this to my children if I don't understand it? And what the heck does it mean?
1: (laughs) Can you say that on here? I guess you can.
0: I can. Yes,
1: you can. We live the radical Christian life, so it might've been a little too radical, but Hey, you know, it's a great question, because everyone wrestles with the Trinity. No one uh, yeah. understands it when they're first saved, and, and we have to be teaching and training. And bro- We
0: dealt with this in the in part one. If you haven't listened to that, you can still jump into this one, but it would be really good to go back and listen to it. Yeah. Because we talk about what what does it mean? What does that look like? And today, we're actually going to deal with how does it apply to our lives. Yeah.
1: So just a quick review, okay. the Bible clearly teaches that God the Father... God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are three persons and one God. And so there is one God who exists eternally in three persons Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But the way we define it and the way that we say you should use when you're discussing it with somebody is that God is unity with diversity. That's the best definition of the uh, Trinity for helping people understand it. There is one God, unity, who exists in diversity Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we went to Romans chapter 1, verse 20 which talks about how creation shows, it displays God's divine nature. Mm-hmm. So how does it do that? Well, we looked at last week, the or last podcast, I think it probably, hopefully they do this in two weeks in a row, but we'll leave that up to our uh, podcast producers who put this on, that they will put it together so that you can hear last week when we started talking about how creation shows this. And we talked mm-hmm. about the universe and stuff, but I want to show this a little bit deeper, Paula. I think- yes. I, students are always blown away when I, when I teach this in class. And so I, I ask them, okay, what are the sciences? What, what classes do you take in science? Cause we want to study creation and, and, the universe and so I
0: want to jump in here with a disclaimer. Yeah. Doug's going to nerd out a little bit here and we love it. Stay with it. Don't pass this up because it really is good. I am not like super nerdy. I'm very practical. So, I lo- and this is practical. So, <laughs> just stay with this.
1: Well, uh, I love apologetics. That's my doctorate in apologetics, which means the defense of the faith. Yes. So, if you want to be able to defend your faith to somebody who attacks it, And they're going to attack it on the Trinity, the big three, the big three, they're going to deny the deity of Jesus Christ, and you're going to be attacked on that. Jesus was just a man. He was just a prophet, or he was just a mystical being, whatever. But they're not going to believe that he was fully human and fully God. So you got to defend the deity of Jesus Christ. You're going to have to defend the truthfulness of scriptures, because you will always be attacked. Oh, the Bible's wrong. It's been outdated. It's been shown to have contradictions. You're going to have to defend that. And the third is, you're going to have to defend the Trinity, because Everyone attacks it. Those are the big three that all cults are trained in to attack Christians, and most Christians don't know how to defend those three things, and it shipwrecks their faith. So we're doing this with the idea that you will be able to see that you can understand the Trinity and use it in defense because it's the nature of our God, and we should be able to defend the God that we
0: worship. And as we talked in the last podcast, there is a mystery to it. There yeah. is. We cannot fully wrap our minds around all these things, but we do have answers. Yes.
1: So when somebody says, well, how can you believe in three gods and one God? Well, I'll say, okay, God is unity and diversity. That's all I mean. He is one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, diversity. And I go, and you can understand that. I go, let's talk about science. Uh, what? What's biology? What's the basic unit in biology? It's a cell, right? Yeah. You have one cell, but that cell unity is, is, exists of membrane, cytoplasm, nucleus, whatever else things you want to throw inside there, <laughs> but it's one cell, unity mm. with diversity. See, God's nature, unity with diversity is displayed even in biology, mm. a basic unit of science. What's chemistry? I love to go to chemistry. Uh, basic unit of chemistry is a molecule everybody knows h2o right that's a molecule of water you have one molecule of water you Mm -hmm. can't break it down anymore it's not water you can't break god anymore down or he's not god he's one god he's one it's one molecule but it exists in three uh, atoms two hydrogen one oxygen so you have unity and diversity even in chemistry Mm. so when people say well i can't understand god how can he be three in one i'll say look at have you ever studied physics? And most people, at least, probably, even if they haven't taken a class, they've heard about atoms. Okay. You've heard about an atom, right? Yes. So you have one atom. What's an atom consist of? Do you know?
0: I think it's a neutron, an electron, and a proton.
1: That's it. That's right. No, No, I love to ask. Have you <laughs> seen an atom?
0: Uh, I've seen a picture of an atom. <laughs> okay,
1: but have you actually seen with your own eyes? No, I have not. But yet you believe there are atoms... And you believe that they exist as unity and diversity. So you believe that, but you won't believe that there is a God who created everything, and yet he exists in unity and with diversity. Mm. See, and now here's where I push it a little bit. Because in Romans, it says they are without excuse. It's not that you don't understand the Trinity. You don't want to understand the God of the Trinity, because that means you have to come under submission of him. <laughs>
0: yeah. wow yeah it's it's really it's, this is why my head used to hurt when yeah. I said because
1: it's an excuse and nothing yeah. what you want to do if you get in one of these discussions you want them to bring up this mathematics well you have father plus son plus holy Spirit one plus one plus one equals three how are you telling me they're one? And you, right there, if they say that, you just start salivating because you got him. You got him. You're like.
0: <laughs> That's yeah. what a theologian does. They salivate <laughs> yeah, yeah. at those questions. Yeah. We're not, Most we're, of us yeah. sweat. A <laughs> little uncouth, but anyway. Because
1: <laughs> he's just using wrong math. No, no. It's father times son times Holy Spirit. One times one times one equals one. God has left a witness of his unity and diversity, even in mathematics. Wow. <laughs> I mean, and then you go on to geometry. That's what the historic church has always used. The symbol of the Trinity, uh, 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 the triangle as a symbol of the Trinity. Mm. A triangle, three sides, three corners. You can't take one of those away Mm-mm. and it'd still be a triangle. You can't take the sun away and still have the Trinity. You can't take the Holy Spirit away. It's one triangle and yet three angles or three sides. And so God has left a witness of his unity and diversity in creation. So when people yeah. say, well, it's such a mystery, it's too beyond me, like, no, you're just using a wrong definition, and you're not seeing it clearly in nature, where he's revealed his divine nature, according to Romans one twenty.
0: Yeah, yeah. He doesn't leave us without answers. Yeah. But I, I, one of the things that we've talked a lot about just on our couch talks um, throughout our years, we always say this, that Doug and I always spend some time together. Um, this year, it's 39 years, and we either take a walk or we have a cup of coffee, and we've done that our whole marriage when we're in the same country. Um, even when we aren't, we now we get to FaceTime. Yes, it's great. I, yeah. um, but we talk a lot about communication and this blew my mind when we first studied it years ago or it was revealed to us by the holy spirit can you talk a little bit about that because i think this is kind of the um the practical components what does it look like the other parts theology okay so how does it apply to us yeah
1: exactly and so this is where you need to understand you never need to be ashamed that you believe in a triune god You believe in a God who is one God who exists in diversity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because it is the superior view of God. And I learned this because when I was studying uh, the theology of Islam and I learned about what's called Tawhid, that's the oneness of God, the absolute oneness that literally, so it's blasphemy to a Muslim to talk about a trinity, you know, triune nature of God, Mm -hmm. because his how heed is oneness, is essence. And same thing with oneness, Pentecostals and Jehovah Witnesses. They hold to that same oneness. They have a real problem that we don't have. Because if God is alone in himself from creation, where did communication come? Where, who was he communicating? Now, I, I, we can make jokes amongst Christians. I don't do this as a witnessing tool, but I, I always say, when, we, when you meet somebody who's talking to themselves, you call that person crazy. -hmm. Our God is not crazy because in the triune nature of God, there's always been communication between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's communication is part of His nature, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but it's not, it can't be a part of the nature of a God who's alone in His oneness. So in other words, that God had to create something outside himself to have communication. That's an inferior view of God. Our God is the true God, the, the God mm. of creation, and he reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because he is unity with diversity. Now, the other right. thing I love to talk about, what separates humans from the rest of creation? Not only is it communication, because I always say, you know, we can talk about how whales make sounds to each other and cats, you know, but I always say, you never see a cat like sitting at the out, you know, by the um, backyard or talking to another cat saying, man, Hey, how's your day going? Uh, tell me, tell me how you're <laughs> feeling. You know, they don't have communication on a that level. That's what separates us from creation. Humans were created in God's image and communication is one mm. of those things. Now, having said that. Animals do communicate because they do have the breath of life. Now we could talk about that, and that's why you don't see two plants having a conversation. Mm -hmm. So at least animals communicate at a basic level. Yes, but yes, because of the breath of life, because the nature of God. But the best one is relationship. Yes, humans. You know, you never see a cat over there writing a poetry, you know, writing a poetry, some sad note because they've been hurt by another cat and their feelings <laughs> are sad and they're you know and they're blue that day and stuff. No, we re- are created for relationship. Humans are created for relationship. Mm-hmm. Now, if God is alone in himself, who was he loving? God had to create something outside himself because love is not self-love is 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 Not what we talk about love. Love is expressive. Love is patient. Love is kind. Those type of things. Mm. God is slow to anger, but great in loving kindness. And so, because love goes outside itself. Mm -hmm. Well, the Father has always loved the Son for eternity. The Spirit has always loved the Father for eternity. But the God who's alone in himself had to create something outside himself to express his love. Mm. And so, I mean, we never have to be ashamed of who our God is. And when you get confronted by one of these cults that or false religions that don't believe in the triune nature of God, don't take the step down and wow, oh, it's just a, some absurd idea. Just remember, it's unity with diversity. That's all you have to say.
0: So I have a question in this. Mm-hmm. So if God is complete in himself, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, why did he create us? Why did he need us?
1: That's the great question. Why did he do it? Because of his good pleasure. It says throughout the scripture, God did it for his glory and for his good pleasure, Mm. for his kind intention. Read Ephesians 1, 1, 3 through 15, 14, and just God does it for him. It's all for his glory, for his pleasure. We are created for him, and because of his love. He didn't create robots. He created humans with free will to love him. Or not to love him. Yes, exactly, and that's the chance that's what love does I mean he could have created little robots but that's not love that's that's the mind-blowing thing about God that he mm. did create us and um, and that's why we love him because he first loved us yeah because that's where love comes from
0: yeah oh I, I love that <laughs> <laughs> it's really good <laughs> yeah
1: now you asked a great question in the other podcast we said we were going to push it off for a later time but I think we should bring it up is now is now the time now well, we'll see okay yeah. there's a huge debate people don't might not know this, but within theology, if you get into the theological realms, much ink has been spilt on this idea of um, God is equal in essence and different in function. And that's how we uh, ultimately define the Trinity. Like the Father and the Son are equal in their essence. Mm -hmm. But in their function, the Father did not come to earth. He did not take on flesh. That was the Son's function. Yes, The, The Son ascended into heaven But he sent the Holy Spirit, the Father, Son. Was it the Father or was it the Son? That's a whole (laughs) split of church in 1054 if you want to study your church history. (laughs) Uh, You know, the Holy Spirit's the one who came, and his function is now to convict the world of sin and righteousness. And so Mm. he's the one who's now living inside of us, representing Christ in us, the hope of glory. So Mm. they have different functions, but in their nature, they are equal in essence. And that's actually applicable to our relationships. And now we don't want to get too much into this because a lot of it's been, uh, ink has been spilled, a lot of war is going on about, does this apply to marriage? Mm. And, and I think it does, and, and, but let, we'll let people flesh that out because some say it to degrades um, the Trinity to try and put human nature to it, equating it to the Trinity. Hmm. But the idea of unity and diversity is within our family. Let's just talk about our family.
0: Hmm. Okay. We are
1: one family. We are a strong family unit. We live on three different continents, our children and our grandchildren. For you who don't know, we have four children, all married, and now we have 18 grandchildren. Uh, one lives in Europe, one lives in Asia, and two live here in the United States. And yet, we have a family thread on our text and mm. sending pictures and videos and stuff. We love each other. Yeah. Uh, I hope we do, right, kids? And so. <laughs> wouldn't you agree yes yeah Yeah. and we are one family we are a unit and now our kids have gone and got married now they're starting their own units but they're Mm -hmm. still part of it but Mm -hmm. you know growing up we said we're a family we take care of each other blood is thicker than water type Mm. thing you hear that yeah Yeah. you hear
0: hear that terminology yeah that's That's the unity
1: but the diversity i'm the father i have the authority Mm -hmm. not you Mm
0: -hmm. the
1: children submit to the parents the parents don't submit or that's actually, yeah. And then parent, children honor, I mean, biblically, i mean, use biblical words. Mm. No, kids, your job is to honor me. Mm-hmm. I'm to love you, raise you, and that. But but you're not to have the role of the father. Mm-hmm. That's the diversity that's within the family. And we
0: see in our world where that has been so broken yeah. in many relationships, because we deal with people all the time. Being in pastoral ministry, this is a huge, huge issue, is, is father issues. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, yes, exactly. Because they can't understand how can the son, how can Jesus submit to the father? I mean, he Jesus says, your will be done, not mine. Yes. I mean, he submitted to the will of the father and yet being equal in essence. Well, okay, let's go down this road for one second and send your letters to Paul and not me. I Please. don't
0: know where you're going, but I can see your eyes. <laughs> so I always get a little nervous where are we go with this. Well,
1: I don't, I didn't come up with the idea right that women submit to husbands. Mm-hmm. Wives submit to husbands. Right. Not women. Wives submit to husbands. Yeah. I didn't come up with that. Peter and Paul
0: both say that. When Peter and Paul agree on something, we probably should listen. You know, it always comes back to that. There's a proof text. Yes. You know, is it just one random thing? Do we build a theology on that, or do we look throughout the Bible where that is true? Well, I'll give
1: you a funny one. When when you read, some people say, well, the word submission is not used in Ephesians chapter 22, where it says, wives, submit to your husbands, because it's borrowed from verse 21, where it says, you know, we are to submit to one another. Mm-hmm. Then it goes on to say, wives, submit to your husbands. And it mm-hmm. borrows the verb. It doesn't actually have that verb in verse 22. So they're like, see, it doesn't even use the same verb. It's mutual submission. Yeah, okay, well, great. Well, what about Colossians 3 where it's used? What about in First Peter where it's used? What about mm-hmm. other places where Paul uses it? So, mm-hmm. I mean, we're always trying to find excuses for what the Bible says. Yeah. Well, Paula, you believe in submission, right? I do. Are you inferior
0: to me? No, not at all. We're equal, aren't we? We are absolutely. Exactly.
1: And you know, I don't have to qualify. I believe in male headship, but I don't beat my wife. You know, we gotta always qualify. (laughs) And I'm sorry for those things that happen. It has
0: it has words that the world has put to it. Yeah, exactly. Or it has seen the extreme misuse of things. And so then we have to qualify. And sometimes we do.
1: Yeah. Well, yes, we do. No, we don't. I don't. I don't because I just tried. Let me explain what it means. You've heard what the world says. Let me say what the Bible says. Yes, husbands love their wives. Wives submit to their husbands. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. but okay. We don't want to get too far off on that. But it comes from this idea that you can submit and be equal.
0: Can you just give your definition of that really fast? Definition of I of submission for that, the one that you always use, because I love that. And I don't, I just don't want us, our people to get stuck on that. that. This would be a good podcast for later, but where you say that your job is to help me what? Oh, yeah.
1: Well, uh, yeah. I said, uh, I'm supposed to love you, and, but I'm the head of my house. Mm-hmm. I am unashamed. Sorry. If you don't like that, write me a letter, but it's worked mm-hmm. really well for 39 yeah. years and we're yes. not stopping because that's and what I the Bible it. says. <laughs> yeah. And so I say, I'm supposed to love you as Christ does at church. I'm supposed to be the head of my house. And what does that mean? I am supposed to empower, encourage you to be all that God wants you to be mm-hmm. and protect you and love you in that sense. So yes, I mean, and you do. Thank yeah, you for that. and any good man would do that if he's read the Bible and sees he's supposed to love her and sacrifice for her as Christ does the church. So yeah, yeah, it's I never, I have never, yeah. Anyways,
0: we got way off, and I took you down that rabbit trail. But let's go back into the Trinity and relationship. Well,
1: yeah, I think it's important for everyone listening to, this to think about that. Yes, I do. If you can have a relationship like God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Why wouldn't you do that in your household?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you can. You can have unity with diversity. You can equal, in essence, different in functions. Yes. And embrace that. Don't don't listen to the world that's trying to make everybody do the same exact thing. You mm-hmm. can't. I can't make a baby. Praise God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've seen the birthing of yeah. some of those. <laughs> so yes, you probably But you know what I've thankful. always been
1: a little jealous of? that you got to love our children for nine more months before me Mm -hmm. and that relationship you've had with them and why a mother and a child is such a special bond that Mm -hmm. a father will never be able to understand.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: You know, we don't think of it that way because we always want to pit it against one another. Yes. It's not the father's against the son. They're, yeah. they're on the same team trying to win, <laughs> so yes. you want to put it in those terms. <laughs> That's probably a bad term. <laughs> they do win, right? They, defeat, they yeah. The father sent a son to defeat the devil, the works of the yes. devil. The father could have done it. The father could have just, hey, I created you, Satan. I'm just going to zap you right now. Mm-hmm. But in his divine plan, which is way above our pay grade, mm-hmm. he used the son to defeat the works of the devil. And so it does show that they're on the same team working. And so you can have unity and diversity. You can have equal in essence, different in function that happens within the Trinity in your relationship, in your family, in your marriage, and Mm -hmm. with your children. And when you embrace that, when you look at your son or you look at your daughter and say, no, I'm not, and this is the problem. Oh, can I go off on tangent? Do we have enough time? (laughs) Because let me tell you about- How long's
0: your tangent? (laughs)
1: Because I've lived with these people who- in countries and in religions that only believe in inferior and superior, they don't believe in equal in essence, different in function. Yes, and that's why you have men who do force themselves, uh, women to submit to them and to to dress the way they want to dress and to act the way they want to act, and, and because they're inferior, they're the male, and the woman is inferior. Mm. No, that's not the biblical view. But because they don't have that idea of equal in essence, different in function, that the yeah. Trinity gives us, they only know inferior and superior. Wow. We try to go into these countries and, oh, well, I'm going to get, yeah, have fun with this one. <laughs> we try to go into countries and oppose democracy. They don't. They only understand power, that there's a dictator, there's a leader, mm. there's a king, there's somebody who's ruling because he has the power because it's f- inferior and superior. That's why you have men, wow. you know, fathers and stuff who will beat your son. You're never gonna be anything because cause he's inferior to those superior to those inferior children. Mm. And you have these dysfunctions of relationships and mm-hmm. all that. Now we have how
0: the, different is it when we can make that according to biblical standards? Yeah. What the Bible talks about in our own marriage, where there there is that communication and the respect that comes from respecting each other's roles. Yeah. I mean, the Holy Spirit didn't try to take over the Father. <laughs> yes. That would have been Satan's role. Yes. <laughs> there wasn't, the, the, how they functioned with the unity of that. Yeah. You know, you use that term unity with diversity and w- we can kind of get stuck a little bit on the diversity, which is great, but unity, I, yeah. love, that. Yeah. I love that. I love that because yeah. it was actually Jesus's last prayer for um, his people. Yeah. It's what he prayed over his church, over his believers, that we would be unified. Yeah.
1: So because of the lack of Trinity in many of those countries, we see the negative view. But because we see the in the West, especially now, this disregard for this tri this triune nature of God coming into our relationships, like you just said, there's no roles now. Everyone has to be equal and in, in, in everything they do and that's just created problems. Mm-hmm. Look how our government was even formed. Our government had a biblical basis of understanding unity with diversity. They wanted three branches. To, they wanted one government, but you had the judicial and the legislative, and uh, what's the the president? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. And <laughs> I got stumped there for a minute. I was yeah, like, what? There was Oh yeah, blank there. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah." Send us a letter and tell us what that is, but. <laughs> executive there you go yes <laughs> unity with diversity See, our country is found on that but now we're losing that even and then we wonder why western civilization is in such a unique peril in its history and why families are disintegrating in the west at such a rapid pace so what yes. we're saying is think deeply about the trinity think deeply that god is one your family unit is one your marriage is one there's unity but there is diversity one's a husband one's a wife One is parents, one is children. So there's unity and diversity in that, and it can affect how you view your relationships. And they are equal in essence. My son, I remember this day when I was just looking at my son and just remembering myself, he is equal with me. I am no better than he is. Mm. He is a man just like I am. He's just a man who hasn't reached full maturity yet. I'm talking about my oldest son. I had this moment. And I have to respect him as equal and never make him feel like he's inferior to me. Mm. But as a father, I have a role to train him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So I have a function that's different than him, but we're Mm -hmm. equal in essence. Mm -hmm. And that's so important as parents to understand. It's so important for husband and wife to understand the triune nature of God and how it can apply to our family.
0: Yeah, so good. So deep.
1: Yeah, I think we should probably end on that because, <laughs> Dude, man, that was lot to think about. There yeah, is a I lot did. to think about. Yeah. You might
0: need to rewind this a couple times to get all that. Yeah. But I would love to end us out, as we did with our last podcast, with the last verse of 2 Corinthians 13, because we're talking about the Trinity. And so we want to pray this blessing over you today. The grace of our Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
1: Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Radical Christian Life with Doug and Paula. I think it's at this time we're supposed to do some pitch like hit the subscribe button or donate. But we just want to say, do what you want. We trust way more in the sovereignty of God than in the Christian industrial marketing complex. You just keep living radical for Jesus, and so will we. And let's watch how he blesses us all. We'll see you next time.